The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Siempre real y sincero. Te Copenhague hasta Caribe. Siempre real y sincero. Oh, dímelo. and welcome to the book club show on inspire 105.1 fm it is tuesday the 12th of november and it's just past 10 o'clock um that was an, uh, a new nasheed by mahazane um called live it up um and i thought it would be a good one to um kind of get us going in the morning because i've had quite a slow morning um if i'm honest with you um but yeah, so today we are obviously discussing um, another book and this one I hope is going to be quite, um, I mean, quite, it might be quite a hard topic um, to talk about because it's something I do feel that um, particularly in our own community sometimes that um, we maybe don't talk about enough. But the book um, today that we are discussing on the book club show is um, When I Hit You by Mina Gandasmi. Um, so I'm just going to introduce uh, the book by uh, reading uh, the blog as I usually do. Um, so it says, Caught in the Hook of Love. A young woman marries a dashing university professor. She moves to a rainwashed coastal town to be with him. But behind closed doors, she discovers that her perfect husband is a perfect monster. As he sets about bullying her into obedience and as her family pressures her to stay in the marriage, she swears to fight back. A resistance that will either kill her or set her free. Um, 
Now, this book, uh, When I Hit You by Mina Gandasmi, was um, shortlisted for the Women's Prize for Fiction. Um, it was also shortlisted for the Jellick Prize in 2018 and also longlisted for Dylan Thomas Prize in 2018. So it's definitely um, a book that's um, really had, I guess, worldwide um recognition and having read the book I have to say is a pretty um it's a pretty hard read and I think mainly the reason for me in particular is I've you know somebody um who's married and just kind of the you know when you're new to a marriage and how you have to navigate that relationship as a husband and wife but also all the things that lead up to marriage in terms of um relationships and how you connect with somebody in terms of a human being and you know another human being I think it's really interesting in how um I guess in the current I guess day and age you know what do we define love as and how do we define marriage and how do we define what is a a good uh relationship and obviously these things sometimes I guess change over um course of somebody's life but you know ultimately um I think any you know anyone when we have an intention to marry especially as people of you know um the muslim faith and, and islam we know um you know that marriage um is uh it's a, it's a sunnah and um you know the, the hadith that when you marry that you know you complete you complete your deen as well and again you know there's also um conversations um even to be had about that but um so um, I think today is going to be, you know, if you have any comments um, and views as you're listening to the show, you can call in on 01582481822 and you can WhatsApp in on 0779481822. Um, so I am joined uh, by a very special guest um, this morning um, by the name of um, Afroz. She is a staff writer at um, at the Canary, a freelance academic editor, and she was also the former, uh, formerly editor of Writers of Colour. Um, so I'm really, really um, pleased to be joined um, by um, Afroz this morning. Um, so I am going to just introduce her. Asalaamu Alaikum. Asalaamu Alaikum, Afroz. I'm very well. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Good, good. Lovely to be on your show. Oh no, thank you so much for taking out the time um this morning to um yeah, just no to problem. be here and My talk pleasure. about this. Um and actually it might be worth yeah, the distance no knowing because obviously I, I kind of reached out to you and um it was a suggestion um because you said that you'd recently read it. So actually, you know, it was the first time I guess me being introduced to the book. Um so can you talk maybe a little yeah. bit about first what you do in terms of your work and then and then maybe why you were interested in reading this book? and we can start off like that. I'm sorry, sorry, I missed the first part of the question. No, sure. Um, I was saying what? if you could talk maybe a little bit about um, what you do in terms of your work and then what it kind of um, okay. made you read this book initially. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, the work... <laughs> oh, hello, you're breaking up a little bit. I mean, I, I... Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can, yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I did my first degree in English, mm-hmm. um, and I've kind of been a bit of an English nerd um, for a long time. Uh, you know, pretty much my whole life, I guess. Um, so you know, reading uh, for pleasure is something that I don't get mm-hmm. to do as often as I would like, probably. Sure. Um, and that's what caused me to. I mean, you know, that's why I was reading this book. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, in terms of work, I am currently uh, writing. So. Mm-hmm. I write for this um, sort of left-wing independent uh, news outlet. Um, I do all kinds of, you know, I write about politics and I also write about things like racism and Islamophobia. And I I try Mm -hmm. to, every now and then, um, reflect on my personal experiences Mm -hmm. and write about them as well, um, just as a way to kind of, um, you know, find a way to make my writing relatable to other people. And I think that's, um, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much what I'm doing yeah. currently. So the reading of the book is, it, it's, um, I came across it because I kind of do this thing where I save screenshots of books that people <laughs> sure. have recommended online. Yeah. Uh, and so I think this has been, you know, it's, it's gotten quite a few prizes and it's been shortlisted yeah prices as well yeah so you know at one point it must have been shared like on Twitter and so I, I yeah. saved it and um uh, so, and but the other thing that kind of drew me to it is the fact that, um, you know, kind of uh, the issue of domestic abuse and the fact that it's something mm-hmm. that has been kind of um, 
uh, affected by personally, not in the same way mm-hmm. as the character in the book has. Sure. Um, but, you know, it's uh, something that I'm kind of increasingly um, researching and more interested in. So in that sense, it's sort of... Um, yeah. came at a time when I when I was already kind of um, you know thinking about these things yeah sure so yeah, yeah. I think I mean, Teresa. Yeah. I think it was the same. Um, actually, when when I first came across it, obviously through you, and actually thinking that I hadn't maybe um, read a book, you know, not recently anyway, which was really um, not the sense that it was hard hitting, but really, you know, in this idea that when every, every any time the idea of domestic abuse comes up, especially in our own communities, um, you know, the taboo around it. So, what do you think? I mean, how important do you think a book like this is in that sense to be able to at least start that conversation? And, and how important, you know, important it is, I guess, for um, a writer to be able to give a platform for those stories. Do you, th- do you kind of agree that obviously that's something that's really needed at the moment? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you know, I don't think that um, it's definitely not the first um, of its mm. kind to address it. Sure. It is, um, however, because the writer is sort of uh, Indian, mm-hmm. it does address that sort of cultural notions around shame, around sort of. Um, you know, the, the advice that she's given by mm. her parents of being patient, mm. of, you know, marriage takes work and all these kinds of things that I think yeah. a lot of people will be able to relate to even if they don't specifically belong to the culture that the character in the book belongs to. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I think in that sense, it's um, it's not, so I, it's definitely not, you know, the first or the only book of its kind, mm. but it's important. Um, I think one of the things that struck me about it it was how sort of bold it was in the casual depiction of the abuse that um, mm-hmm. you know that the character goes through, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. sort of it's quite graphic. But at the same time, you kind of don't really. There's no build up to it. It just kind mm-hmm. of happens. And I think that may. I think that it may be, in a sense. Um, intentional in the sense that you know when people are going through this there's no build up to it there's no warning as such it's just sort of you're in the middle of it yeah um and then you're trapped and you don't know how to get out right Mm -hmm. um so in that sense that makes it quite powerful Mm -hmm. um it does it's definitely you know there's a lot of food for thought in there Mm. for um yeah for communities for you know who who do live with these notions of Mm. um ascribing a lot of importance to marriage, right, mm. to the institution of marriage, yeah. um, and that may be within Muslim communities, mm-hmm. but also like, you know, other, you know, um, sort of Asian communities or other kind of communities where mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of emphasis around marriage and making marriage work, and every time that you, mm. um, I mean, this is something that I noticed personally as well, is that every time that you approach um, someone for counseling, for example, for mm-hmm. relationship counseling mm-hmm. or whatever, the entire focus is on saving the marriage, yeah. on kind of keeping mm-hmm. it together mm-hmm. one way or another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in that sense, it's important for people to realize sometimes how damaging that attitude can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think that in this particular instance in the book, it's quite an extreme example. Yeah. And I think slowly in the Muslim community, from my observation, mm-hmm. people are kind of waking up to the fact that I Actually, you know, physical abuse is not acceptable. That mm-hmm. it's a situation that you should help the, the woman get out of as soon as possible. Mostly, it's the woman, um, and so on. So people are slowly waking up to that realization. However, mm-hmm. um, there is still uh, generally um, a lot of kind of um, still emphasis. There's a lot of la- there's lack of recognition of other kinds of abuse. You know, there's financial, there's yeah. emotional, there's psychological and all that so there's not really enough I think understanding of the different ways in which abuse can manifest when people are particularly when people come across other kinds of abuse um, Mm. they don't actually recognize it as abuse and then they do still get the same kinds of um, advice that um, uh, you know that the the character in the book gets in Mm -hmm. terms of like being patient and marriage takes work Mm -hmm. and you know and um, think about the shame that it will cause to your family and all these kinds of things so um, you know and that he's a good man and that um, you know men are like this and men are exposed to being jealous and Mm. so all these kinds of things that I think many many women 
mm-hmm. in difficult marriages must have heard. Um, so I think it's very important in that sense for people to become aware of how damaging yeah, uh, this attitude can be. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that um, if people read this, then, then, then that will help in that sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that was, um, yeah, because you touched on quite a few things. So th- I think maybe if we, um, again, you know, for the listeners who might not have um, read the book, a couple of quotes and then maybe we can discuss a little bit more um in depth and it's something we kind of mentioned but one of the quotes is the longer i stretch the act of the happily married couple the more i dodge his anger it's not a test of talent alone my life depends on it um so i guess the question really there is you know why is there still so much pressure on women to kind of portray a happy marriage even though reality is actually quite different you know the fact that you know i can kind of see Maybe in the past there was that reason, but the fact that I still sometimes see in my own generation of of, of couples or, or, or wives who, who still feel the need to do that, and you know, why do you think that that's still there? The yeah, pressure. I mean, you know, like mm. I said, there's a lot of you know cultural importance of respect to marriage. There's mm. also um, sort of you know patriarchal notions that we're all kind of ingrained with mm. in terms of like you know mm-hmm. women not being complete without having a man in their lives and mm. not being able to. Um, sort of, uh, you know, have a respectable position for themselves mm. um, without being associated to a man and these kinds of things. And then, mm. and I think sometimes there's also um, an element of, you know, women being concerned about mm. the effect on their families. So mm. in this particular instance, like in the book, the mm. father will actually, you know, emotionally blackmails and says, you know, think about mm. how we'll be sort of ridiculed in the village because our mm. daughter came home within months of being married and, yeah. and she didn't last and whatever so i think one of the things is mm. the sort of cultural um pressure mm. of having to maintain you know having to be married mm-hmm. um and having to maintain like a you know a certain image of, of how, how good your marriage is mm-hmm. um and then also there's the impact of how it will affect your how a breakdown in your marriage will affect your family and mm-hmm. how it will affect your parents, which no doubt I think does weigh on any woman who faces the prospect of divorce. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, particularly from like, you know, Muslim, um, you know, or, or Asian mm-hmm. communities. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Uh, and then also there's a lot of the framing around failed marriages, so to speak, or broken marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, seen as a failure on the woman's part quite Mm. often that's how it's framed so you know this whole idea of you couldn't hack it for a year or Mm. you couldn't even hack it for six months or whatever like a lot of the weight of that and a lot of the blame is placed on the woman Mm. um which is kind of just how society still is and it's um Mm. you know it's unfortunate that it's still like that and this is one of the um the uh sort of the things that this book calls out yeah and uh, it's one of the things that really we need to to address and to change hopefully yeah no absolutely and um yeah. i think that what you were kind of mentioning about um her father's kind of reaction and the advice if we can call it that, that he gives um his daughter and, and i know yeah. again shame is something that um you know we talk about a lot whether it's in terms of you know in the media there's always you know about uh honor killings and the idea of bringing shame on the family again so i mean there's a quote in the book where um she says and and like you said obviously that it's you know it's quite an extreme i guess um some of the circumstances that she finds her in so with this um uh, quote it says sometimes the shame is not the beatings not the rape the shaming is in in being asked to stand judgment um now something with you know with the recent rise of, of me too uh the me too movement um and obviously kind of started in America and then, you know, it, it, it was something that um, a lot of women then obviously in terms of the hashtag started using to, to talk about their experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, how can we challenge that concept of of shame, I guess, and, and especially because, um, you know, being, a you know, Muslim women, you know, South Asian as well, maybe. Um, obviously, it's something that happens across the board, but in particular in our own communities, this concept of shame and how do we challenge that? Or does it need to be challenged or... What are your views on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, you know, obviously there has been kind of this over overemphasis on mm-hmm. the notion of shame. Mm-hmm. I do think there are, and I think maybe this is one area where the book, my, I think my only criticism of the book is that mm-hmm. it paints um, 
the parents in quite a unidimensional hmm. uh, way, whereas hmm. it's you know entirely possible for South Asian parents of that generation, mm-hmm. my own parents, for example, to not react in that way to um, <laughs> their daughter being abused. Mm-hmm. And there are parents like that who do exist. Yes. Um, so I think that it does get kind of, you know, overplayed in mm-hmm. the media. Um, but also that doesn't mean that it's not a problem. Um, no, and sure. it does, it is, I think it is being challenged yeah. um, with the whole Me Too in India, in mm. Pakistan, you know, in other parts of the world. It's, um, I think one of the biggest impacts of it mm-hmm. is an emphasis on believing women yeah, um, yeah. and on men, holding men accountable mm-hmm. for the things that they have done. So yeah. I think that, again, this is one of the things where um, mm-hmm. abusers get away with abusing because there's no one to hold them accountable sure. um, because yeah. quite often their, uh, you know, their abuse is excused, mm-hmm. um, they're kind of, uh, you know, painted as sort of it's painted as the natural order of things mm. all men are naturally you know they get mm. angry mm-hmm. they um uh they like to be in control they like to feel like the man of the house they like to wear the trousers and all of these things mm. yeah. are used as ways of excusing abusive behavior mm-hmm. right so yeah. um yeah. i think that one of the things that Chu has done mm-hmm. is kind of say that that is no longer acceptable and you know, called out sort of abusive culture and mm-hmm. is it, it started to kind of hold men accountable for their behavior. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something that's, that has started happening. Um, obviously, it's not kind of as uh, widespread as it needs to be. Sure. Um, and it's, you know, there's, there's always room for growth. Um, but I think we're, we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, no, <clears throat> absolutely. And I think um, because what it, it kind of almost feeds into, I know that there's, um, it kind of relates to um, a book by Chimamanda um, called, you know, We Should All Be uh, Feminists. And um, God, I think mm-hmm. I've got, the, yeah, I think that's the right title of the book. Um, but this idea that actually we teach girls to aspire to marriage, um, whereas <clears throat> not so much with boys. And how actually, you know, these things can also, yeah. I mean, toxic ma- masculinity is another thing that obviously, we talk um, a lot, a lot about you know in kind of the current climate and how we end up, I guess you know in a way feeding that and that also yeah. then you know can lead to toxic, I guess abusive you know relationships as well. And like you said, sometimes it just creeps up. And to be honest, even yeah, kind of excusing um, the behaviour of, of you know I guess you know some men and and how like you said, if there's no accountability, then it, it almost perpetuates that. And obviously that's you know it's. It's something, yeah, I guess we do need to really, really start thinking about. And I guess, you know, somebody, I guess, who's a parent as well, when I think about, you know, my, I mean, I've got two daughters, but, you know, regardless of whether you have daughters or sons, it has to become, it has to, I guess, start that early in terms of how, when we teach yeah. children about, you know, friendship and what it means to, you know, be be kind and caring and all those things about shaping, um, you know, the, the next generation. I think, you know, it's such an, a huge part because I think at the moment we're trying to obviously fix uh, fix something which is yeah. broken. But, you know, I guess it's, again, I mean, you know, maybe not the best cliche to, to use, but, you know, prevention is almost better than cure. I mean, is that something you think that parents also then need to take a bit more of um, you know, I don't know, responsibility, but also, you know, do we, do even parents need some sort of training, do you think, when it comes to these things or um, should it be something which is, you know, it been, you know, in, built in or something? I don't know. Yeah, I, I mm. do, um, you know, I think, uh, like I said on Twitter actually a few years ago, mm-hmm. that toxic masculinity is one of the, you know, major reasons for marriages breaking down these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's not because, you know, People always kind of lament about how there's a rising divorce rate in the Muslim community, but I don't think that is because um, this generation can't compromise, and I don't think it's because this generation um, mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, doesn't or is too patient or whatever. I think it is because mm-hmm. um, women now are a lot more aware of their rights, sure. um, and they are a lot more aware of, um, you know, what uh, they should and shouldn't put up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, and, and a lot of that, you know, a lot of the problems that are caused in marriages are by toxic masculinity and are by attitudes that are, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, 
that are informed by toxic masculinity. So I think the only way to counter that really mm-hmm. is to erase it in uh, future generations. Um, and so it is all about how we raise our children, that we raise our sons to respect, you know, mm-hmm. women to respect everyone, and how we raise our daughters to to love themselves, to mm-hmm. not kind of, you know, have their entire existence hinge on being married and the importance of being married mm-hmm. and saying that if you're not married by 25 then you're past your expiry date and all these yeah. kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, teaching, you know, our daughters to love ourselves as complete human beings mm-hmm. that aren't kind of beholden to um, the, the affection or the attention of any man. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of these things are essential to kind of countering um, that culture. But I mean, mostly when it comes to countering toxic masculinity, and when it comes to um, encountering the uh, the culture of abuse, mm-hmm. um, it does um, start with how we raise our men. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's about parents today, you know, parents of grown men um, not enabling their grown sons, right? So not accepting their behavior. If you and see that your daughter-in-law is being mistreated, then you we're just going to head over oh, to a break and then we're just going to head over yeah. to a break and then we'll continue sure. conversation. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamualaikum and welcome back to the book club show on Inspire 105.1 FM. The time is 10.30. It's Tuesday, the 12th of November. Um, So just before the break, um, I was talking to my guest, um, um, Afroz, who um, is uh, with me um, over the line. And the book we are discussing today is When I Hit You by Mina um, Kandasami. Um, So the book, I guess, um, in essence, is really um, dealing with a character who's in a situation in her marriage of um, domestic abuse. Um, So it is, um, it was, I think, for me, uh, quite a difficult read in the sense that, um, like we were actually discussing just before the break, it's um, a situation that the character finds herself, it almost creeps up on her in a way, and she doesn't really realise. But obviously then she finds herself in the situation, she's then given advice, um, you know, um, in in the first instance by her parents to, you know, um, uh, keep the marriage um, going and to make it work and, you know, in the end uh, to stay in this um, abusive relationship but also all the conversations and situations she finds herself in, you know, with her um, husband and um, so it's a really important topic um, I think to really give um, a platform to and if anyone um, who is listening and um, feels that they might need any sort of um, uh, support or, or anything like that, we have um, in Luton, the Luton All Women's Centre, which um, you can um, obviously get in touch with them. They're, they're quite open and accessible. Um, and you can also call them on 01582 Um So just before the break, um, for the book When I Hit You um, by Mina Gandasmi, um, Afroz was talking um, about um, the notion of a toxic uh, masculinity and how actually this idea that parents also, when we need to take this responsibility when we're raising our children, sons and daughters, but I guess... Um, in this instance also um our sons and how we're raising them to in terms of um being uh, <laughs> in essence good human beings and how to um treat you know wives in in you know in the honor and respect that um obviously that you know obviously any really human being um deserves but this idea that even um currently in our own communities or even you know um in others as well it is um this notion of toxic masculinity that is really um affecting um our marriages and how we actually then respond to that um so i'm going to welcome back um afros assalamualaikum so you were um i had to we were obviously went to a break um just before but um did you want to just continue on what you were um saying on this um idea of yeah i guess parenting and, and how we raise our children yeah uh, yeah, sure. So, I mean, I was basically what I was talking about was um, parents holding their adult son to account, particularly where mm-hmm. you know we are like in our community. It's not like um, you know, it's not like white mm-hmm. culture where you kind of mm-hmm. associate some parents almost, and you only meet them on Christmas time or whatever. Yeah, There's yeah. Mm-hmm. a lot more contact with um you know with family members and so on and so i think that family members particularly parents are in a position to hold 
there's something to account if they see abusive behavior, mm -hmm. and this is something that really they need to be doing. But quite often, what we'll see is that if um, a woman makes a claim of abuse against her husband, mm -hmm. then the husband's parents will automatically, by default, just take his side and mm -hmm. will just believe his side of the story mm -hmm. and completely sort of dismiss anything that the um, yeah. uh, that that the woman is saying, um, and not just the parents. Actually, you know, probably. Uh, the yeah. other relatives as well and so on siblings and so on and so forth mm -hmm. so i think it is quite important i mean um for me the um the quranic verse uh, from surah anissa which talks about um uh you know establishing justice and mm -hmm. upholding justice even if it is against your own mm -hmm. family yeah, family members um uh, it's important to hold people to account when they are doing something wrong particularly when it's you know, this isn't just about a minor infraction, but actually, yeah. um, you know, legit, considerably harming somebody's mm -hmm. life, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. it's, um, whether it's physically, whether it's emotionally, mm -hmm. um, and so on. So I think that uh, it's important to recognize it as injustice and to call it out, um, even mm -hmm. when it's your own family members who are doing it. And I think parents definitely do have a role to play in that. So mm -hmm. far, um, what we see is, pretty much just um, parents excusing their son's behaviors when mm -hmm. they're abusing their wives. Mm -hmm. um, and we see this is something that, that needs to stop. That yeah. needs to stop. So yeah, absolutely. that's something that we, we could be doing in, yeah. here and now. And do, and do you think that, um, is it possible that there's partly also a lack of understanding on what is defined as, you know, I mean, whether it even it can be defined, you know, what abuse is? Because there's one quote in the book where, you know, the character says, um, in place of a firing squad, I stared down the barrels of endless interrogation. Why did she not run away? Yeah. So do you think that there is kind of, an, you know, people are struggling to understand that actually there's a debilitating kind of nature in being, a, in, you know, in an abusive relationship that sometimes you literally cannot yeah. escape, you know, because it's not even about the physical escape, right? So, you know, yeah, yeah. to what extent do you kind of agree with that or disagree? Yeah, with I do, yeah. you know, I do think... Um, that there is a lack of understanding mm -hmm. um so partly yes that that is an issue but sometimes i think that it is really just an unwillingness to believe the woman mm -hmm. i sure. think generally mm -hmm. you know women whether it is when it comes to having our health concerns take Mm -hmm. seriously or whether it comes to you know sexual assault or whatever mm -hmm. generally because of you know, patriarchal culture, mm -hmm. um, there is a reluctance to believe the woman's side of the story. And so I think that um, as far as that goes, this mm -hmm. is something that we can address by changing attitudes. Mm -hmm. um, but also, obviously, we do need awareness um, mm -hmm. in terms of the ways that abuse manifests. Um, I think generally as well, even if we didn't have awareness, I think there's far too much judgment mm -hmm. um, in the way that we kind of, you know, deal with people i think that quite often with intra-community relations we kind of act like people are answerable to us for their mm -hmm. decisions when really they're not right so mm -hmm. for example so what i see in that um statement where mm -hmm. you know staring down the barrel of a gun and facing interrogation mm -hmm. uh, partly it's them not understanding how difficult it is for someone in an abusive situation to leave mm -hmm. But also, it's a sense of entitlement that they that you owe them answers, right? Mm -hmm. When actually, somebody who's been in that situation doesn't owe you anything, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. they may share their experience if they want to. They may mm -hmm. share their experience because they want you to help them get justice. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't actually owe you answers. So mm -hmm. it's not really up to people to them say things like you know question decisions and say why didn't you leave sooner mm. or why did you do this or why did you do that mm -hmm. or you know people will always find something or another mm -hmm. about your decision to criticize but ultimately that all that is is victim blaming yeah. because you're placing the onus of that situation mm -hmm. on the woman mm -hmm. rather than on the person on the man who put her in that situation right yeah, so yeah. um so yeah so i think it's that even if we don't have an awareness of the way that domestic abuse uh, manifests mm -hmm. we should have an awareness of our own sense of entitlement and realizing that actually nobody owes us any answers yeah. Um, yeah. for the situation that they've been in mm -hmm. and uh, and that um you know everyone is 
does the best that they can mm-hmm. in whatever uh, in right. based yeah. on the situation that they that they find themselves in yeah absolutely and uh, yeah it's, it's, it's kind of really important i guess a message to actually really put out there for anybody who maybe um has been in that situation or is currently that you know just to know that actually it's because yeah i mean like you said it's it's their life and it's their experience and you know they dealing yeah. it in the best way that they know how and you know the, it, it's kind of sad to think that actually that judgment from others how much it must really have um, not just um, i guess a negative um uh, you know a negative feeling but but just the already the burden and then having to deal with you know other people's judgments exactly. is just yeah i mean you know it's yeah. you know and again i think it's something is even we we need to always i guess reflect on and and um that in any situation really whether it's domestic abuse or it could be anything else that you know this we should really take time to reflect on our own selves i guess and actually you know how yeah and and question ourselves and okay if i'm going to ask this question you know why am i asking that question is it to actually Mm -hmm. support this person or is i'm just interrogating them because you know and it's it's something that yeah i think maybe a lot of us need to maybe think before we speak and we don't always do that um now because obviously um you said obviously someone who is a writer and um i know i I touched on it a bit earlier on in the beginning of the show but there's one quote in which the character says that i remind myself of the fundamental notion of what it means to be a writer a writer is the one who controls the narrative um now is this something for yourself that does it resonate with you i think for me it's um, my writing tends to be more kind of poetry and but i find that as you know it's a cathartic process for me depending on what situation i'm in um but definitely it, it kind of helps me at times when i really need so do you think yeah that you know how important it is you know to i guess be a writer and for this character also because she almost uses it as a tool to deal with the situation she's in because she's got no other way of of dealing with it so what, what are your yeah. feelings about that yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, that whole theme of writing as resistance is something that the, mm. that um, Kendazami touches on quite a lot in the book. Mm-hmm. And I think generally um, we do sort of see any form of art that we are able to use as expression. Mm-hmm. Um, we do see that, that when we are in a situation where we face trauma, mm-hmm. um, then we use that as resistance right so we use yeah. our art as resistance so I think very much that kind of is something that comes across in the book that is something that I mm-hmm. try to do as well even though I don't know if I um you know I don't know if I think of my writing as art but I do <laughs> kind of think of it as um, a way to uh, uh, communicate and so mm-hmm. it's one of those things where um, you kind of mm-hmm. use your words to form connections with people to, mm-hmm. to, to, you know, to describe experiences that other people can relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, so that's partly it, but also it's that act of writing as, a resist- as resistance. Mm-hmm. So that idea of using what you have in terms of your art mm-hmm. to resist um, the, the oppression that you're facing and also to kind of maintain Mm-hmm. your own self of identity is sense of identity so yeah. um your you know kind of i think one of the the battles that we see mm-hmm. in the character is how she tries to she really struggles to kind of maintain her sense of self her mm-hmm. sense of who she is outside of that abusive marriage yeah um and the process of writing is one of the things that helps her do that mm-hmm. um, and I think generally as well somebody who is in a traumatic situation or someone who has faced trauma in the past um, mm-hmm. they use their art I think as a means to kind of you know express their sense of identity and and you know and to um, uh, to hold on to that mm-hmm. um, and partly it is in response to the abuse but also partly it's kind of something that we want to have in spite of the abuse. I think it's something that we want to remind ourselves that we are more than our trauma. Yeah. Um, and we want to remind ourselves that this moment that we are in doesn't define us. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is more to us than just this trauma that we are going through or just this trauma that we have experienced. Um, and I think that is probably, um, you know, so that's one of the things that touches yeah. on it. 
that kind of finally touches on in the book, mm -hmm. but also um, something that artists generally tend to do, I think, mm -hmm. when they're dealing with their trauma. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I think, um, I mean, the first thing I was going to say is I, I've read your work. It's definitely, uh, definitely a work of art, so you shouldn't, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but yeah, I think it is just, um, yeah, any kind of, I guess, form of self-expression is, is really important, but even more so when, um, when in, you know, particular situations, experiences, but definitely I think I echo the sentiment of we don't want, you know, those things to define us. And, um, and again, I guess, you know, from a Muslim faith as well, this idea of hope is also very important, but obviously it's not something we can always just rely on that. It, it does really require um, some really proactive steps by, you know, um, everybody in, whether it's families or wider communities, or whether are you know even faith leaders that we're able to really kind of dig deep and see you know how we can kind of rectify our situation and be reflective and you know and obviously always come back to you know the example of the Prophet Sallam and how he was with his wives and this idea this notion and even recently I attended a um, um, you know a, a gathering and they were just you know I think I asked a question about but you know when they, we're in a situation where men think being gentle is a form of a sign of weakness almost that you know again yeah. it kind of you know this kind of toxic thinking again it kind of plays into this narrative yeah. and and coming back to this idea that you know if we or more of us are able to write and express things that actually challenge that that can also be like a step change in in um yeah i guess moving things in a more positive um kind of framework um so i guess maybe um this idea then i mean there was one um quote again in in the book where um she says that let me tell you something that goes against popular wisdom love is not blind it just looks in the wrong places so in an age where love can be quite fickle have we lost the definition of what it really means what do you think um so i think that you know i think i personally grew up with all these kind of notions of what love is and isn't being said to me through the media and i think that mm. um you know so i grew up kind of watching bollywood films and, you know romantic comedies and things yeah. like that and so there's a very kind of this um this idea that love is one thing right it's between a man and a woman and it's kind of you know it kind of it completes you and so on and kind of you know you're fine like that and and I think a lot of those things are actually people are realizing now that that way of thinking is quite damaging um and I think love is not really the one it's definitely not the one thing that we see in the media it's not something that you know has to necessarily last forever something sometimes you could think that something in love but later you reflect on it and it isn't um but also i think that there are many different kinds of love rather than just the one between a man and a woman or the one between romantic partners right um and i think it's important that we feed ourselves with all the different kinds of love that there are and so that includes sort of your family and your friend circle um but also self-love right yeah, and um, so raising our daughters for example to love themselves um I, i've said before that rather than encouraging humility in little girls we should encourage overconfidence because yeah. the world will beat it out of them yeah. anyway <laughs> um so yeah. it's, it's important that we um uh you know teach teach young girls to love themselves mm -hmm. and not think that they need a man to complete them mm -hmm. um but also i think that you know when it comes to romantic love, that's the kind of thing that you don't really have mm -hmm. control over, right? Sure. You don't know whether it will happen or it won't happen. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think we've just accidentally lost um, our fours. Um, really apologize for that we'll try to get you um back on the air um we are actually joined um in the studio um well uh, over the phone by um sheikh um yazdani from um london fatwa council um so we are just going to talk a little bit about actually obviously the topic that we're talking about today which is the book when i hit you by mina gandasmi which is um looking at um a character who's experiencing um domestic abuse um in her marriage so i'm just going to say assalamu alaikum to um uh, sheikh yazdani assalamu alaikum Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah sister. How are you this morning? 
I'm good, thank you. Allah keep you well. Thank you so much for for joining us and and talking about this really important um topic. Would you like to just start by letting us know what um work you're doing um at the moment with um London Fatwa Council and um how it relates to the the book that we're and the topic we're talking about um today in terms of um, domestic abuse. Yes, inshallah. First and foremost, uh, may I um, express my gratitude and thanks for highlighting pertinent issues within our community. And um, indeed, absolutely, one should not be suffering in silence. Mm -hmm. Uh, Perhaps it's because of a taboo issue. It's never been brought at the forefront. Mm -hmm. Um, That people brush it under the carpet. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, it's a subject that's been very dear and close to me, and uh, I realize that we can do as much as possible from the members and the pulpit of the mosque, mm-hmm. but there needs to be much more uh, that uh, supports uh, our mothers and sisters um, and the future generation of mothers and sisters mm-hmm. um, with regards to their safeguard. Mm-hmm. I think the word safeguard is a very lovely word, Mm -hmm. Uh, because it encompasses many things in a very respectful way. Mm -hmm. People tend to fight uh, using Quran and Sunnah to um, actually empower one another. And this habit is becoming so bad that Mm -hmm. it almost seems as if in order to to support their cultural values, now we are plucking Mm -hmm. verses from the Quran and the Sunnah to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to suppress one another and this um you know element of when i beat you is a very pertinent issue it's you know uh, it's it's a very brave thing to have come out Mm -hmm. and um islam is is not against um highlighting things that are um important and need to be addressed Mm -hmm. so whether it's uk the europe or any other part of the world a woman is a woman and um, the tests and trials of her suffering and, uh, you know, um, suffering in silence uh, is an ongoing and continuous thing. Mm-hmm. But we do need to highlight it in our community. London Fatwa Council was established in 2009 in order to support women suffering from domestic abuse and domestic violence, but more so within the Sharia uh, um, uh, um, axis. Mm-hmm. And that is because we can all be acne ounce, but at the end of the day, that which defines the step that we take forward for our mothers and sisters, Sharia, because we are pretty much bound to the Quran and Sunnah to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Good advice can be given and the advice to move on can be given, but the separation process is not an easy element. We realize many other Sharia councils have been established but then, you know, are they experts? Are they, you know, mm-hmm. uh, are they the license holders of fiqh? Mm-hmm. Have they received the mandate to specialize in this field? Uh, remains a, a very important question mark. So I think recent survey and the recent uh, remarks from uh, concerned organizations uh, who serve uh, and champion the cause of women suffering from domestic abuse and domestic violence mm-hmm. have highlighted that there are many things that the Sharia councils are overlooking and uh, not only overlooking but seem to be shallow in their approach of understanding the plight um, of our mothers and sisters mm-hmm. who are suffering in violence. It's not always as they stereotypically say or you know, this is an excuse, etc., and so on and so It seems we are judgmental before we look at the facts of the evidence. Sure, yeah. And we, we so have, um... I think, you know, it's very important. London Fatwa Council, mashallah, has been established since, and it's working on all of these avenues and points. But we more specifically focus on the uh, on, on the khula and the tafsih element of it. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter of just giving a certificate of it. Uh, uh, it becomes absolutely forbidden and haram. But a woman, some point uh, in her life, after the support she receives, uh, she needs to make the decision of whether she's going to continue her relationship or end the relationship. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, um, the law of the land is there absolutely to give the civic um, mm-hmm. um, rights, but the Islamic rights have to also 
will be given because a woman is, is to a large extent more vulnerable than a man. A man can verbally say it, but a woman has to undergo the process of due diligence according to the Sharia to get a khula or a fa. So in this regard, alhamdulillah, what we've realized is um, that women are uh, very vulnerable. They've come over from Pakistan, come over from other countries. Here, uh, the environment is, is challenging in itself. Uh, lo and behold, they, 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 they're thrown out of their own houses. They've got no extended families to support them. They end up coming to our organization. What we've realized is there's an average of um, 800 to 1,500 cost involved in, in settling them in a refuge, for instance. Mm -hmm. They need their basic necessities and needs. All of these things, people, we think that, you know, the moment they get on roll of benefit or the moment they go to the council, they get a big lump sum of check and they have their own property, etc. That's not the case at all. And, and our community needs to look a bit more about what the test and trials are. Mm -hmm. Some of those who are yani, settled over here seem to realize they've got extended family, the girl can go and live with uncle or whoever are related. But that's not the case for majority of the rest of the women. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a very taboo thing. So even though the family members may want to help them, they end up you know, absolutely closing the door of support because of, uh, you know, trials within clans or uh, threats, uh, honor threats within the clan. Yeah, absolutely. And These are uh, terrible things. Mm -hmm. And um, we only have um, a minute left of the show, I'm afraid, but uh, you, I know that you were mentioning that in, in order to help Let continue you um, your, your work that you were planning to do um, uh, an event um, next month. So did you want to talk a little bit yes, about that? Yes, we've been doing this, um, this, this because we're a charity organization, we're, we're a non-for-profit, and we haven't really been accessing uh, government funds, but mm -hmm. we believe, you know, keeping... Uh, uh, private as possible, confidential as possible is necessary. Mm -hmm. Alhamdulillah, every you know two years or three years we do a fundraiser. So we 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 are doing a fundraiser um, for our mothers and sisters on the 14th of December. Mm -hmm. this, this is a Saturday afternoon from 12 o'clock to uh, 5 o'clock. And it's a fundraiser for all these specifically mothers and sisters who are doing well in their business but believe supporting other mothers and sisters is really essential and important so thank you Sheikh. Um, we're on just my going behalf to... an invitation yes. inshallah thank you for listening to our podcast we stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org you'll find all our daily updates on our social media at inspirefmluton